So something like the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust uh, is looking to convert to an ETF. And I expect that that shouldn't have too much issue in getting, getting that through. Uh, if that's the case, then strap on in because <laughs> then, we're, then we're talking about demand, uh, a demand spike for the actual Bitcoin asset that a structure like that can and does hold directly. Um, and so that, that all of a sudden, all of these pension, private pension pools and pots um, that you know, currently don't have access to it, like if you've got a SIP, uh, you can't buy Bitcoin through your SIP. There's, there's, there's no way to buy it, a direct exposure to it uh, at the moment. But if there's an, uh, an ETF like the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust becomes an ETF and that holds direct Bitcoin, that, that becomes a much more direct pathway. It's still not you owning Bitcoin, as Kit, Kit rightly point out. If you want to hold Bitcoin, go buy Bitcoin. But inside of certain structures like that, and I know the Australian superannuation industry, which superannuation is what the Australians basically call private pensions, um, that has got trillions of dollars in capital locked up in it that for a lot of people can't access directly uh, something like Bitcoin, but a direct Bitcoin trust that is an ETF uh, unlocks that door. So I think that's going to be a pretty significant change. And it's interesting how this has all coincided with Bitcoin's price getting up around all-time highs. I mean, uh, what's what's your forecast on this kit? You you talk in 100k end of year, 500 million. Where where do you sit on the on the scheme of these things? Well, look, clearly this is the forecast everyone has been waiting for. <laughs> um... Welcome to the Exponential Investor Podcast. Want to be a better, smarter, more clued up investor? Well, you've come to the right place. We cover the breakthrough investment ideas you don't hear about in the mainstream to keep you on top of the mega trends and opportunities reshaping our world. Good morning. Welcome to another episode of the Exponential Investor Podcast. I am your editor, Sam Volkering, here with my co-editor, Kit Winder. Thanks again for joining me, Kit. Now, where to start, where to start this week? Got a couple of things I'm going to throw at you. Actually, I'll, I'll let you choose. Do we start with Bitcoin getting close to its all-time highs and the launch of a Bitcoin futures ETF? Or do we start with everybody having to replace their gas boilers with heat pumps? Where would you like to start? Uh, new time high, always a buy. Well, it's buy the dip, buy the all-time high. I mean, and then everywhere else in between isn't, uh, that's kind of, I think our mantra for a long time hasn't it been? Um, what do you what do you make? What do you, have you have you looked much at the uh, at the Bitcoin ETF, the Bitcoin futures ETF that launched this week at all? Yeah, there's some nice stuff going on. So when I first read about it, I thought, oh, cool, it's you know an ETF that holds Bitcoin, but it's not. It's an ETF that uses cash and derivatives to mimic the price action of Bitcoin. Um, so I don't understand what the point of it, except for getting around various legislations or regulations. Um, do you? Okay, actually, what I do understand, I guess, is that when the price of something goes up, the financial industry wants to somehow monetize that for their own benefit. And so launching products that essentially piggyback it is what they do. So that's pretty much what this seems to me to be. There's presumably some demand for this structure of product for regulatory reasons in terms of 
who is allowed to therefore hold something that looks like Bitcoin. Um, if you want to buy Bitcoin, then buy Bitcoin. Don't buy <laughs> I mean, there's an element of that to it, right? So there's a couple of things I think that people don't quite um, understand around this. For, the, for a start, it's not actually the first Bitcoin ETF. It's just the first Bitcoin ETF in the United States. Um, and you're right. So it's a derivatives-based um, product. So it's, it's, it's Bitcoin futures, which is not actually holding physical I say physical Bitcoin, but it's not holding. It's not holding Bitcoin. Um, but what it does do, as you say, it, it provides access to an asset class that can actually be a little tricky for uh, people to get in. And I say people, but it actually ends up being organisations and, and different structures that can't necessarily buy Bitcoin direct because it doesn't meet certain. Uh, regulatory regulatory obligations, custodial obligations, things like that. So when a company like ProShares decides to do this, it gives them a pathway in that they perhaps didn't have before. Now, having said that, you were right about the popularity because I think within the first day, the first day of trading, um, it did something like over $500 million in, was it $500 million or $500 billion? I can't remember. It broke all. It broke pretty much every record for the for the first daily launch uh, of a of an ETF of, of this sort of magnitude. You'd be amazed if it was five hundred billion. Yeah, I, I, I was going to say five hundred million just doesn't seem like enough. Five hundred billion of the market cap of Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, now, I think there's, there's there's sort of two things about this. One uh, is that if you're in the UK, you're a UK investor. Uh, there's a good chance you still can't trade this uh, and you probably won't be able to until the brokers uh, over here decide to provide access to it so um, get on the phones if, if it's something that you're interested in get on the phones to your to your broker um, and and keep kicking down their door I'm sure they've already had plenty of people doing so so I, I wouldn't envisage it's too long uh, until the, you can uh, you know access something like this because the UK did ban uh, derivative crypto products in the UK um, and uh, and and shut off access to it, but as an as an ETF and not an ETP uh, or, or any of the more complicated things. Even though it does deal in derivatives, um, as an ETF structure, I believe that it should be accessible, uh, hopefully for UK investors. But as we say, it's a derivatives futures product, not Bitcoin directly. But what is on the way uh, is that now that that's trading. Uh, it's somewhat cleared the pathway for a ETF that does hold Bitcoin directly. So something like the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust uh, is looking to convert to an ETF. And I expect that that shouldn't have too much issue in getting, getting that through. Uh, if that's the case, then strap on in because <laughs> then, we're, then we're talking about demand uh, a demand spike for the actual Bitcoin asset that a structure like that can and does hold directly. Um, and so that that all of a sudden, all of these pension, private pension pools and pots um, that, you know, currently don't have access to it. Like if you've got a SIP, uh, you can't buy Bitcoin through your SIP. There's, there's, there's no way to buy a, a direct exposure to it uh, at the moment. But if there's an, uh, an ETF like the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust becomes an ETF and that holds direct Bitcoin, th that becomes a much more direct pathway. It's still not you owning Bitcoin, as Kit, Kit rightly point out. If you want to hold Bitcoin, go buy Bitcoin. 
but inside of certain structures like that. And I know the Australian superannuation industry, which superannuation is what the Australians basically call private pensions, um, that has got trillions of dollars in capital locked up in it that for a lot of people can't access directly uh, something like Bitcoin, but a direct Bitcoin trust that is an ETF uh, unlocks that door. So I think that's going to be a pretty significant change. And it's interesting how this has all coincided with Bitcoin's price getting up around all-time highs. I mean, uh, what's what's your forecast on this kit? You you talk in 100K in the year, 500 million. Where, where do you sit? On the, on the scheme of these things? Well, look, clearly this is the forecast everyone has been waiting for. <laughs> um, what does Kit Winder think the Bitcoin price will do? Um, no, I mean, I think it's curious that when big news like this um, comes near to a sort of, or after or it, late into a sort of little bull run, so the Coinbase IPO, for example, kind of marked a short-term top in the Bitcoin price. And again, that's sort of a reflection of the maturity of a, of a cycle where the financial markets have had time to gear up and try and monetize this thing. So I think back in 2017, you know, it was all, it all happened very quickly. Uh, it all happened so fast. But um, there were sort of product launches and big bits of news around the top in 2017 that actually, if you were thinking about it, were probably a signal that... Um, you know, good news was getting saturated or whatever. But yeah, it's it's a signal as much that a lot of bull market has already happened as that there's more to come. So I think that's worth bearing in mind. Um, but there are also, uh, as you've been speaking about in recent weeks, you know, fundamental changes to the asset itself, which I think are maybe more exciting. Uh, and then maybe if you combine the changes to the nature of the, the asset, which improves it, technologically which improve its privacy its speed it's things like that and you obviously know far more than me um if you combine that with the potential addition of liquidity through etfs or um opportunity for as you say the burgeoning obese unbelievably uh weighty tax burden that is the global pension system mm. um to that then you have a, a pretty potent combination um I've always been a sort of cautious person and I always just advocate people being interested in doing what they can and learning about it and putting it as part of a sort of wider diversified strategy. And that sort of remains the same. You shouldn't be super bullish or super bearish on Bitcoin. You should just sort of include it in your thoughts and include it in your portfolio. And that's like the most boring advice ever. So that's why people pay for your work and not mine, I guess. I don't think it's quite as clear cut as that, but you're right. And look, the thing is, I think this comes against the backdrop of a number of factors. So it's quite easy for everyone to say, oh, the price has been pumping because of the ETFs. I was like, that's certainly a factor of it, but you're absolutely right. The uh, fundamental upgrades to the core network, to um, you know, just the function of how Bitcoin operates, uh, that as well, it's certainly a backdrop of that. And, and I think an, an increase in the value of the network itself and hence Bitcoin. Um, and it also continues to come in, you know, a backdrop of, um, you know, inflation, which is continuing to creep more and more into into global economies. Uh, they're now it's now seeming like there's an appetite <laughs> amongst investors and the wider market, understanding that 
the central banks are going to have to probably increase rates, which is something I've been saying for a while that they've got no other option, but they have to put rates up if they want to keep inflation under control. Otherwise, we'll see double digit inflation before that, we know they've it. got to keep rates down, otherwise, they're going bankrupt. <laughs> wow. So, this is the dilemma, right? And this is why I think this continues to paint a pretty uh, promising picture for something like Bitcoin because. Uh, they're damned if they do and they're damned if they don't when it comes to to the, the current global financial system and, and monetary policy and, and what they decide to do or decide not to do. Um, and then yet at the same time, uh, however many billion it was gets announced this week to continue to push uh, the green transition and the the great headline grabber that everyone's going to have illegal gas boilers and they're going to have to be replaced. I mean, is it that clear cut? Is it, is it as simple as right, right. It's literally going to outlaw gas fired boilers. Everyone has to have a heat pump. And if so, I know you guys have been looking at an area. I think you've been looking at a specific company in that area as well. How's that sort of going off the back of all of this? Uh, yeah. So in the, uh, well, I guess on our buy list or in our portfolio of recommendations, we have a heat pump stock leading European company, high quality products, basically a leading company in that field. And, and it's going well so far. We think the company is essentially excellent. It's a sort of quality approach to investing. Uh, and then thematically, yeah, the direction was pretty clear for heat pumps over gas boilers in terms of the inefficiency, energy efficiency they can offer. And then there's the hope that uh, the hope or the expectation that as an industry like heat pumps scales up, you get two advantages, which is technological improvements and economies of scale. And those sort of combine to drive costs lower. So at the moment, it's something like a heat pump might cost around 10 grand. And so what the government in the UK has done is offer a 5,000 pound grant. So halving the cost maybe of a heat pump, depending on, on what you're using it for. Um, and also then making it cost equivalent to a gas boiler. And then every year after that, the heat pump is more efficient. So you save money on your electricity bill. So the upfront cost is has reached parity with this new subsidy. Uh, and then the ongoing costs are cheaper. So it's sort of what electric vehicles have where their upfront cost is slightly higher and their ongoing costs are much lower. So over the lifetime, it was already cheaper. And that was true for heat pumps as well. But most consumers probably struggled to think about their boilers with a 15-year levelized cost uh, analysis. And most people and most people don't necessarily live in one house for, oh, well, I say most people, I don't actually know the numbers on it, but I'd be surprised if, if people stayed in one house for 15 years. Exactly. So it's basically, it's a pretty good policy. I think the, um, do you remember, oh, there was a government policy earlier this summer, I can't remember what it was, but it was sort of threatening that you couldn't go into restaurants and clubs and whatever without a vaccine sort of hoping that they wouldn't have to enact it because everyone would then just get a vaccine and then you don't need the policy i would imagine that the gas no gas borders by 2035 thing is maybe along similar lines the hope and the expectation within large parts of that industry or within government circles is that the technological improvements of heat pumps and the way the world is going mean that it will be unnecessary to outlaw gas borders in 2035 because it will be the natural choice for every new building the subsidies will have encouraged enough people to swap them out uh, in the meantime that by 2035 the pitch will be so different that outlawing them won't be necessary yeah i i get the i get that feeling as well is that um the shock factor of illegal gas boilers now is far greater than the actual reality of by the time we actually roll around for the next you know 10 years 
um, so getting a heat pump will will be just like replacing a gas boiler with a gas boiler today. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it's uh, there's certainly an element of beat, beat up about it, but like you like you say, you know, there's uh, there's you know it's pretty clear that if that's going to be the direction of, of how things go, that there are going to be stock market opportunities to play it as well, which you guys are clearly all over as well. Um, I just wanted to wrap up today with just one final thought. I don't know if you've looked much into it. I certainly haven't, but maybe this might be something we we uh, we look at for for next week or or in the future. But um, the copper market at the moment seems to be a little bonkers. Um, I, I'm not 100 percent sure if that's a byproduct of everything we've just said yeah. uh, or it's just the next metal to, to start to, to fire off. Um, any, any sort of insight as to what's going on there at the moment? Um, yeah, to an extent, I mean, the, the extent to which it's going to be crucial uh, in the rollout of the energy transition technologies that we've talked about regularly on this podcast over the past few months solar and wind power, energy storage, electric vehicles, uh, and the rest is sort of pretty well known. So there's a huge and very compelling demand story over the next couple of decades, really, for copper. And then something that I am less expert on and know less about, but I'm aware of, is the sort of the slight unease around supply and the slight unease around, I guess, the dwindling uh sort of ore grades that existing mines are working with and the low number of sort of new high grade mines that are being discovered and brought online and how long that takes as well. So I think um, it's something I've been trying to get my head around over the last few weeks, to be fair, and I've read a few things about it, but I wouldn't, wouldn't yet say that I could tell you exactly what's going on. But there is there is a supply story as well as a demand story, I guess. And the demand side is more well known, but uh, if people want to look into it and I'll continue to do so, there, there are there are issues around supply as well that I think are maybe slightly less well uh, understood. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if any of our, our listeners or viewers uh, have got some uh, inside uh, industry information about you know what's going on in the industry and, and how it might be impacting the copper price, feel free to write into us. Uh, at Exponential Investor. We'd love to hear from you as well. You know, if you've got insight about a specific industry that you may be working or know very well or have researched for a very long time, we're happy to hear and discuss on our podcast and in our editorial. But that's all for this week. Thanks again for tuning in. Thanks again, Kip, for your insight. And we'll be back again with you next Friday with another Exponential Investor podcast. Bye for now. <laughs>